Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Hey everyone, real quick before we start the show, Brad wrote an amazing ebook that will teach you everything you need to know about house hacking and living rent free. To get a free copy, text house hack all one word to 22828. That's house hack all one word to 22828 to get your free copy. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Labrie. And today, through my story, I'm going to show you what house hacking means to me, why I choose to do it, and how it can help you achieve your goals of financial freedom or becoming work optional or leaving your job altogether. So today, we're going to talk a little about creating a financial runway, what that means, what that looks like, why cash flow exceeding your monthly expenses equals financial freedom, which that is the ultimate goal, and why capital gains doesn't buy you financial freedom. I was a house flipper, and that's exactly what capital gains is. Being a stock trader, that's also capital gains, and why those things are just another job. They create more work, and they don't buy you financial freedom. We'll then go into the objections that most people have to real estate and being a house hacker. And then at the end, we'll talk about that reward, what it means, what it can give you, what it can buy you, and help you do what matters most. But first, we have a free book for you that'll teach you everything you need to know about house hacking, and it's called House Hacking Success. You can get it on our website at househackingsuccess.com, on our Instagram page at at househackingsuccess, and that book, like I said, totally free. It's for you. It helps you understand house hacking, how to get there, how to understand markets, how to find tenants, great tenants and where to buy, what type of houses, what type of financing. It'll show you the exact breakdown of how to house hack. So why did I choose to house hack? So I was a house flipper, and it's not a very repeatable business. House hacking, however, allows you to collect monthly cash flow, whether you work or not. You put good tenants in place. They pay for the mortgage. Over time, it pays down your mortgage. You get a completely paid off house, and you get monthly cash flow. It allows you to do what you want which is the ultimate goal. It allows me to become work optional. I have not worked at my job in the last five weeks. Just Me and my wife just got married. We paid for a honeymoon. It allows us to do things regardless if I'm working a job or not. It's an incredible advantage to have. And eventually, you would want to leave your job or go chase, you know, travel the world, chase your dreams, do what it is that matters to you most. And that's what house hacking specifically can allow for you to do that flipping or other things don't allow you to do necessarily right away. You have to create a repeatable system, which takes time. You're going to have errors. Your budget is always more than what you anticipate, and it always takes longer than you anticipate. And there is a great learning curve to flipping and some of these other things in real estate to where house hacking, you're learning on the job. You can make mistakes, and maybe your big mistake is you put a wrong tenant in there. Well, you kick them out, and you have to pay one month of the mortgage. That's not the worst case scenario, right? There are worse things in this world, like flipping. If you're flipping a house and the market turns on you, well, you're SOL, right? And we're in house hacking. You still have tenants. When the market turns, more people turn to renting. And rentals in general don't lose their value. We saw that in 2008. So it's a very repeatable business. Let's deal with the objections that we have to house hacking, in real estate specifically. Now, Toilets and repairs, number one, right? People ask all the time, 
what happens when a toilet goes out, when there's a repair, when someone calls me in the middle of the night because the pipe froze or the roof is leaking, what happens with that? First and foremost, those problems don't happen that often. And even when they do, it isn't the end of the world. So number one, we prepare for them. Rule number one with that is that we prepare for it. We set aside reserves for future repairs and future issues. And when they arise, we have people in our network that can take care of them. We have handymen, we have plumbers, we have electricians, we have roofers, we have exterior renovation, interior renovation. We have people or we have numbers to people that can get the job done for us or we do it ourselves. With my particular properties, I self-manage. It's sort of a 50-50 whether I take care of the issue or I hire it out. If it's something small and something that I can handle like painting or hanging doors or or doing minor issues with maybe even replacing a toilet or any other small minor issue, I take care of it. I was just over at one of my properties raking leaves. Uh, I do a lot of those little small things just because I enjoy doing it. However, some most people will want to hire that stuff out. So having people that can do that for you is not a problem at all. Number two, having neighbors. Now, for most millennials and younger people, they grew up when they first moved out, they moved into an apartment complex. Now, you had no control over who your neighbors were, when they left, how they got to act. You're at the mercy of the management company or the people that own the complex. When you house hack, you do have control. You choose your neighbors. You tell them when what they can and cannot do. You can evict them if you want to, if they're being too noisy or if they're not being respectful. All of those issues, or maybe even they are not very good people, you have the ability to move on and kick them out of your own property within the law, all right? And so those that type of control you do not have when you're running from somebody else. Number three is screening tenants. This is a big objection. People are very intimidated by this process. What if we pick bad tenants? What if they screw us? If you buy property in good areas, you have a much, high, much, much higher chance of getting good tenants that won't do anything harmful to your property. It'll be a good experience. They'll move on to the next property. They'll maybe even move on and buy their own property. And those are the type of tenants that we choose. And those are the type of tenants in good areas that can help you build wealth and make the screening process a lot, a lot easier. What does it look like in the screening process? Step number one, learn to take good pictures, okay? Putting good pictures out there, marketing your place is very important to attract good tenants. If you just take mediocre pictures and you don't highlight the best parts of your place, you're gonna attract mediocre or lower end tenants. Number two, market on Facebook, apartments.com, Zillow, Craigslist, Whatever your area, you can find out online where where most tenants come from your area. In my area, Facebook and Apartments.com are the two top go-getters for me. That's where I get almost 100% of my tenants. And I am able to do backgrounds on them and find out that they're very good tenants. Number three, charge an application fee to make sure that they're serious tenants. This is very important. Number four, I use TransUnion Smart Move. Uh, there are other products out there, but my favorite is TransUnion Smart Move for background checks, pulling credit, job history, etc. cetera. Uh, it's very simple process. You simply email after you get a tenant in, you have an application, you, you understand a little bit about their background, you like the way they 
act or who they are or they're just good people, you then email them a TransUnion Smart Move uh, through TransUnion Smart Move. And they then put in all their personal information. They submit it. You get their background check. You get to see their criminal history, uh, if there is any. You get to see their credit history, uh, what that looks like. You get a whole breakdown. You get to see what they've went, let go into collections, uh, what kind of, if they have car payments and et cetera. If they have a lot of credit card usage, you get to see all of that and see what type of a, a creditor they are. Um, and then third, it'll pull job history as well. So you can kind of see what that looks like for them, how many addresses they have, do they move around a lot. Uh, all those things get factored in on TransUnion. I love it. The tenant, again, pays for it. So you simply get that back. They'll give you a credit rating on this particular individual, tell you if they would accept them or if they would decline them. That way you know. Number three, after that happens, verify income with employer. Very key. You want to call them up. You have to get permission first, but you want to call them up, make sure they work there, see how long they work there, see what the manager says, see what maybe their their history is as far as tardy, if they've ever been laid off for employment issues, any of those things. You can just find out, see what kind of character people they are, and then also check with their character references. Generally, on your application, you'll ask them to give a handful of character references. Just give them a call. See what they see, see what their family says, see what their friends say, see what their employers say or their managers or whoever they give. Just see what they have to say about this particular individual. And then have routine check-ins to see their cleanliness and how they're taking care of your unit. A lot of an issue that a lot of landlords have is they don't go have check-ins, routine check-ins. And they'll come up and their place is destroyed and they're going, they're scratching their head going, how did this ever happen? Well, if every quarter or two months or three months or whatever it is that you choose, you go walk the property, you can see it either slowly getting worse or that these people are actually cleanly and they're taking good care of your property. Very important. And then the last thing to consider when screening tenants, after you've gotten them through that process, you've verified their income, you've verified their background, their credit and their job history, you like them all together, the, then it comes down to the lease contract. Now, if you're an experienced landlord, you probably have a lawyer that's going to write a personal one for you. But if you're new to this house hacking situation, like most of us start out as, you can go to biggerpockets.com. They have a 13 page and it's state specific. So if you are in Illinois, they will have an Illinois specific 13 page lease contract for you. If you are in California or Texas or Florida or wherever you are, they're going to have a state specific lease contract tailored just for you. Now, you also have that ability to add your own additional content to it. So you have 13 pages, but there maybe are additional things that you want to safeguard yourself against. You can take that and put it into the contract, and now you have a personalized one that you get free from bigger pockets. And it's an incredible resource. I have used it uh, for a lot of mine early on, and I highly recommend it because it's very, very thorough and it's free. And it allows you to have peace of mind in your lease contract, allows you to add to it. It's, it's a great, great resource for you. Now that we've touched on why house hacking, how it can help you leave your job, how you can become work optional, why capital gains isn't cash flow and why cash flow truly is king. We've worked through some of the objections to real estate. Now we're on to the fun stuff, the reward. What can it create? Well, 
Now that you have cash flow exceeding your monthly expenses, you're officially financially free. You can now chase the things that truly matter to you. Maybe it's being a philanthropist. Maybe it's traveling the world. Maybe it's taking on your career, your dream career. Or maybe it's changing careers altogether or moving within there or changing companies within the same career. You have so many options when you become financially free and you become work optional to where you can take many retirements like Chad Carson talks a lot about, you know, where you can go places for long stints of time and not have to worry about, uh, you know, your job back home. These are some of the things that are truly freeing for you to do for the rest of your life where you're not become a slave to your job and you're not becoming a slave to debt. These are the things that house hacking allow you to do. So I hope my story today has helped you a little bit in understanding why I house hack, why it can be so powerful for you. Remember, we have a free book for you if you go to househackingsuccess.com. That free book is there for you, or you can go on our Instagram page at househackingsuccess, and you can get that as well. But again, house hacking can change your life. It can allow you to create a financial runway. It can allow you to have cash flow that exceeds your monthly expenses on all of your life expenses. And it allows you to become financially free, work optional, eventually leave your job and chase your dreams. Thanks for listening.